So, so you graduated with honors while starting a business and managing a business, running the business. It was a lot of things, but like you didn't really know what to do next until you tried to do something. And they're like, oh, no, you don't have this, so we can't. And they're like, okay, well, let's go back and do that. <laughs> You're bringing me back now. So when we actually started, it was me, my mom, and my sister, and we were not getting paid. So at this time, I'm about, this was about 2018. So I'm about 20, 19, 20 at this time. This, I'm the younger sibling, but I have to take this initiative because I have this business background that I'm learning in school that no one else has, you know, access to. All right, welcome to another episode of the Dre and Smiley podcast, The Inner Circle. We have a great guest, another great guest on this episode. I am so excited to announce that we have Raja Tinsley. She is an awesome person who graduated from a university in Pennsylvania. She currently lives in Florida. And her awesomeness is that while she was in college, she managed and controlled a family business. She grew it from the inception all the way to where it is now. It's in its fifth or seventh year operating. And she's doing all this also while working remote in a different state and working a full-time job in corporate America. Well, if you can, can you first tell us about a about your business? What is your family business and, and what is it that you do there? So it is an in-home healthcare business. So I don't do as much anymore, but when the business began, I pretty much did A to Z from getting clients, doing client assessments, doing interviews for employees, billing for client services to insurance companies, doing payroll, <laughs> like you name it. I was keeping the books. I was literally doing everything under the sun, staying in compliance with the state, doing audits for the insurance companies who were ensuring that we were like, doing everything that we needed to do to be successfully running this business so that, you know, we're HIPAA compliant and everything in that nature. How, how was it when you were taking classes as a freshman and speaking with state authorities or state representatives, how did you, did you study that in school or was it just on top training? No. So it was kind of just learning as you go. There is no like rule book for this type of business. There isn't like an online step-by-step -step what you're going to need to do to get started or what you're going to need to do to maintain. I kind of just was thrown in there. The companies, they'll tell you when they're auditing you what they need from you. Like for instance, we need proof that you have all this, you know, sensitive information in a locked file cabinet with a locked door. We need to ensure that all these employees are going through this mandatory training that covers X, Y, Z. So you need these certificates from all these people saying they completed these trainings before they started services. And there's like monthly exclusion checks for the, I guess, I don't know if it's just the whole healthcare field, but you have to go through these three online databases and ensure that these employees that you have, that before they start and after they start, you have to continue to make sure that they're not on these exclusion lists. So pretty much they're called LEIE checks and you have to ensure that pretty much say they did something like they hit a, a elderly person or something like that and they're no longer to work in that field. This would show you that this person could no longer work in this field. You have to put their name, sometimes their social security number, sometimes their birthday, just depending on which check you're doing and you have to maintain files of you doing these checks. So they want to see things like that. And it was just kind of, <laughs> it was just like, I was just winging it, honestly, me and God, and it just happened. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's a pretty, um, sounds like it's a pretty involved business. So were you running this business? And you may have said this and I missed it. Who, who all ran this business with you? So 100% of it behind the scenes, like back office was me. And then... It was actually my mother's business. So it was in her name. <laughs> it was on file. It was technically her business, but she didn't, she wasn't too tech savvy. She didn't really know what to do. Right. But actually the catalyst event that even led to this happening is her husband died. And 
we kind of were backed in a corner at this time. We lived in like a very nice house, a pretty nice house for definitely the neighborhood we were living in. We were living in like one of the biggest houses in our neighborhoods. And I'm the youngest of four, so we have a big family. So we're living in this nice big house. Her husband dies. And then about a year after, she's running out of money. I'm going to be honest. She's not the best prioritizer of money. So things are getting a bit more serious. And she was already working in the in-home healthcare field. Like she was working as a healthcare aide and she was going inside an elderly person's home with dementia and she was helping them out. So apparently she had been doing this pretty much her whole life since she started work. So it was something she was pretty passionate about. And she like expressed to us like, Hey, I want to start in home healthcare business. I'm not sure how to do it. Da, da, da. But you know, Rick's dead. That, that was her husband named Rick's dead. And like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to maintain all this. Like, so I pretty much took the initiative. Like I'm the youngest of four, but I've always been like pretty mature for my age. Like, even though I'm one of the youngest, I, for some reason, like all my younger and older siblings, people just always come to me for advice and guidance. And I really never thought too much of it until like later in life. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is the role I play in the family. Like I am somehow the guiding light, even though I am like, like I'm, I'm the youngest or I'm one of the youngest, you know, out of my dad's children, there's a lot more of us. In total, there's 10 of us from my dad's children, including the four. And I'm the youngest, I'm the fourth youngest over there. So it's like, I'm, I'm by default, I'm one of the youngest, but somehow mentally, I am not one of the youngest. So once that catalyst event happened, I just, I kind of start working on it. I start doing research, like, how do you start an in-home healthcare business? What exactly, like, what do we need to do so that we can run in the state of Pennsylvania legally, not get shut down so that these insurance companies pay us, you know, to provide these services? Because this is the type of business where elderly people or disabled people, their insurance will pay you to provide these services, but you have to be already in a network with these insurance companies, like a really big one inside of Pennsylvania and definitely in Pittsburgh where I'm from is UPMC. And you have to sign a contract with UPMC. You have to be compliant with UPMC. They were one of the main ones auditing us because the majority of our clients were UPMC clients. So we had to go through all these hoops pretty much for UPMC to say, okay, we're going to list you on our list of providers. And when, cause these clients, they have the freedom of choice and they can't be solicited. Like you can't bribe them. Oh, I'll give you a toaster. If you come with us, you know, you, they have the freedom of choice to change whenever they want. They got you tomorrow. They'll leave the next day. And mm-hmm. there's nothing you can really do about it. But we were now listed on the list of providers. So whenever they start getting services or they're looking for a new company, we are listed now, you know? So it was a, a pretty tedious process, but it, it was definitely worth it when it start. like it took about at least a a year and a half to get up and running to even be legally able to operate. Like you have to get a business license. You have to get registered with the state. You have to get these, they're called the waivers and different clients have different waivers that they're eligible for. And then you would get a different list of in-home healthcare companies based on this list of waivers. So we had to try to sign up and get registered for as many waivers as we possibly could so we can have the most wide variety of clients that we possibly, you know, could get to. So we had to go through the waiver process. You had to get business insurance. Like you just had to do it was a lot of things, but like you didn't really know what to do next until you tried to do something. And they're like, oh, no, you don't have this, so we can't. And they're like, okay, well, let's go back and do that. And then you had to get policies and procedures. And that was probably one of the hardest things that we had to do. But thank God she wasn't out of money yet. So we spent like five grand on the register. Like this was a company that gave policies and procedures. They would sell you policies and procedures for your company so you would be compliant with the state and you would have everything they're looking for. Like, do you have. A non-discrimination policy? Do you have a, um, a retention policy for how you're going to keep these documents safe? And what are you going to do if the complaint happens? Like, they just want to make sure you have all these policies and procedures in place. And to make them from scratch is almost impossible. So I'm just grateful we had the money to actually purchase them because this is a company that they're pretty much known for. They sell policies and procedures for all types of companies. It's not just in-home healthcare, but they know what, what 
policies and procedures in your industry are needed for you to be compliant and so you can provide whoever's trying to audit you with the right information. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so tell me this. You mentioned that uh, fortunately, Iran hadn't run out of money at the time that you needed to invest a bit into the business, for example, buying these PNPs. So mm-hmm. something I've heard about from others in starting a home health care business or any type of business where you're paid by insurance is that there are a couple things that new businesses have to struggle with. And tell me if this is something that you guys also struggle with and how you overcame it, which is you send someone out to do the care, for example, um, for the week of the first week of January, for example, right? So they want to get paid usually at the end of that week or in uh, uh, a subsequent week. So that initial payment has to come from somewhere. In the meantime, you submit that care to the insurance company or to Medicare, that type of thing. And they can take sometimes, from what I understand, 30 to 60 days to pay. Yes, yes, they do. If, that is the content. <laughs> yeah, if they pay, I guess sometimes the payment might be um, rejected. So, talk to me about how you guys managed through that early on and how you're doing it now. <laughs> you're bringing me back now. So, when we actually started, it was me, my mom, and my sister, and we were not getting paid. And the first I think it was about a month or two, like it, we were cutting it so close, but we had to figure out exactly how to do this billing process. And for in-home healthcare companies, you have to use, it's a universal system now for all of Pennsylvania. It might have went wider, but it's called HHA exchange. So you use whatever company you're using third party, or you can use HHA to track your time and you would submit that time inside of HHA. And before starting services, you have to go inside HHA Exchange, which is like universal for all clients with all insurances. And you have to ensure that they're inside HHA and that you got the proper approval to start services. And if you don't have that proper approval, technically anything before that you provide it, they're not obligated to pay you. So they have a person, which is like a liaison called a service coordinator. And that's who calls around for them. Oh, hey, I have a client. They need this many hours um, a week. And they're looking for someone who can do this, that, and the third. And I also, I would like, I would like to give you these, you know, can you staff this? We would like to give you this client. So you either figure out if you can staff it or not, find out who you can find, right? And someone who's reliable, maybe you need someone with a car, maybe you need someone with experience and bathing or, you know, like every client is very, they have very unique needs. So the first couple months we were not getting paid and there was an error in the system, right? But technically we had the authorization from the service coordinator to start services, right? So we're like, what is going on? And it took UPMC about literally the whole entire time. So the contract we signed is 30 days, but you can also go back and talk to, cause you get a liaison from the insurance company. It's not your service coordinator, but it's your liaison to talk with UPMC. And we have also one for, there's another insurance com- company called um, AmeriHealth. And there's one called PA Health and Wellness. And you have your own liaison to talk with these companies if you have questions. So when you sign this contract with them, with this insurance company, most of the time it's 30 days that they have to give you the money. So, hey, you build on the 1st of January, but we have until the 1st of February to even pay you, right? So it's like this this time, usually the turnover is about a week or two, but if something's not right in the system, like this is when we first started. So there wasn't like when our account was set up, I guess, with UPMC, something wasn't set up right on UPMC's end. So it was like a big, long thing. We ended up having to talk to the president of UPMC and he was like, uh, I'm so sorry this is happening with you guys. And he was like, you know what, if you have any other questions, you because we told him how long and we're like, listen, our mortgage is back. Like we're just telling him all this stuff yeah. is going on. Like this is our livelihood at this point. Everybody quit their jobs. Like this is our job at this point, right? We're providing these services for over a month and you don't have pay, but you can, there is, it's not likely that they'll do it, but you can renegotiate these contracts and you can talk to them and say, Hey, look, um, I have proof that I have to dip into my savings every two weeks because there's a, there's a gap in pay. Cause technically they can pay you whenever they want, as long as it's in this 30 days. Right. But Sometimes that's not feasible unless you have some money to fa- fall back on because luckily it was just us 
like family, like me and my sister and my mom, like it wasn't just random people yelling at us like, hey, I've been providing services and I haven't got paid. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's way harder to explain. So it being a family business like that and the three of us being like all in, it's like, well, I mean, eventually we'll get paid one day. Who's going to work today? You, you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was definitely, if we did have um, regular employees who weren't family members, I feel like that definitely would have been the beginning of a bad rep for our mm-hmm. business because a lot of this is word of mouth. Like sometimes you only get clients because you're servicing one of their friends down the hall and they said, oh, that's a good person and she always takes care of me and she comes in on her day off to take out my trash. And, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth. So if we weren't going to this client and the client, she had dementia, but her daughter was the, she was the main person like, oh, I love you guys so much. You still come mm-hmm. and for my mom, you know, cause she lived out of the state. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're literally all I have. A lot of times these in-home healthcare companies are all these clients have in uh, I don't even know how many mile radius. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was very, it was, it was very difficult, the onboarding, but like, we just, have faith pretty much our way sure. through because we're like technically everything on our end is in order right and mm-hmm. they just couldn't figure it out and then we're calling hha and they're like oh no call upmc and upmc is like call hha and they're like pinging us back and forth and it's like okay who who's who's the boss over here who who's the next person up who else can we talk to right, right? so we finally got that figured out and pretty much from that point forward there still are hiccups right mm-hmm. where you don't get paid, like say you send a batch out for this whole week and mm. there will be little things like um, all visits on the same day because some clients have 24-hour care. Like some visits on the same day have to be billed in the same batch. And it's like an electronic, you're uploading this EVV file because mm-hmm. now it's like, I know back in the day it was like, okay, these timesheets, because when we first started, we had physical timesheets, a piece of paper that you sign, have the client sign that you've given your timesheets at the end of the week, then you get paid. But now they've like automated the whole process where you have to use the app or you have to use your phone and you have mm. to use, you have to clock in and out and it has to be a GPS pinpointing that you were there wow. and that or, or it's either that or it's a call from the client's phone that's registered in the system saying that you called and pressed one from the wow. client's phone that you were at that location. So with it being electronic now, there is, there is a bit of hiccups that do happen, right? Mm. But you may get a partial payment and you have to go in and figure out what you did wrong to fix it so that you can get your full payment now. Okay. Makes sense. sense. So tell me this. So um, Smiley indicated that your, your, your role in the company is now being done uh, remotely. So you're still doing it, but just you're not in the same state. So that suggests that you've been able to scale the company. So talk about how, at what point did you realize, okay, we're profitable now and we should scale and, you know, expand the business. Okay. So after we had got our first client, it was kind of on a humbug. My mom was working in that field. Right. And sometimes these clients, when your employee is leaving, they're like, Oh no, I love her. I'm going with her wherever she's going. I'm going. Right. So my mom was no longer working for the company she was working for. And she was like, I'm starting my own business. And the daughter of that client, she's like, oh, no, you've been taking care of my mom for years. She loves you. You're the only person I trust. We're coming with you to your company. So, you know, they were like bearing with us through our like hiccups of getting started. And then our next client that we got, it wasn't a random person. I actually went through the process of getting my uncle services. And he had a brain injury way back in the day. So we got him services. So our first couple clients were a company or someone that we knew on a very personal level, right? And when we tried to do the advertising, it's, it's, you can't solicit, right? So you can't bribe these people to come with you, right? But the best way that we figured out how we got our first client is to get the employee. So we start advertising like, okay, if you bring your client, we'll pay you a dollar more if you show us your pay stubs. And a lot of these people, these are family members working for their grandma, their mom, you know, things like that. So it's like, okay, you guys want to pay me? A, here's my pay stubs. Hey, you paying me a dollar more? Yep, we're paying you a dollar more because, all right, we're losing some money, but we're still making money because mm-hmm. you're coming oh, over yeah. here with your client, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still in school and I was, I was doing pretty much everything. Like I'm answering the phone, I'm doing payroll, I'm doing interviews for employees, I'm doing client assessment assessments. I'm doing the books. Like I'm making sure that we are, our business insurance is, you know, up to date that we're paying, we're paying. How old were you 
at the time? So at this time, I'm about, this was about 2018. So I'm about 20, 19, wow. 20 at this time. But my back's wow. against a, a wall, right? So I'm like, yeah. okay, this is paying our bills at this point. Yeah. I really don't have a choice. And at this point, like I'm a first generation college student. So mm. I'm the only one who knows anything kind of close to what we're doing because I'm in the business school at the University of Pittsburgh, right? So I'm learning some things. You're like, oh, this is how you write a business plan. This is how you do this. This is how you write company emails. Like I'm learning some things that I can utilize to actually help me look somewhat professional in this business, right? I can make just a website, you know, things like that. I'm like, all right, here, let's go to get Vistaprint, get some business cards, you know, start passing them out everywhere. Let's make some flyers. Mm. We already have access to this building right here with this client in it, right? So let's post our posters on these buildings, you know, and that's how we start getting more clients, right? So like I'm I'm doing all this stuff for the business and about 2019 is when we're at our peak, right? We have about five clients and I know that doesn't seem like much, but it really depends on how many hours that these clients get a week. Some clients are 24 hour clients, right? If you got a 24 hour client, it's better than having three clients with 10 hours a week. Right. We got 24 hours, like all around the care, all around the clock care. Right. In the morning, someone's there at night. we got to do the night shift. So 2019 is our peak and we have about five clients and we're bringing in like 7K a week. Right. And we're also, you know, we're not keeping all that money, but we are, you know, we're paying for business insurance, stuff like that. The year your portion of the payroll taxes, right? We're paying for the software for the time tracking because it's all automated now. They're not really, if you have a paper timesheet, they're not taking it. Like you're not going to get paid. So you better pay for a software and you better, you know, get these, we need locations on all your, your caregivers to ensure that they're at these places clocking in and out, right? So I, we're starting to do great, right? But I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm getting very overwhelmed. I am a junior in college. I declare my major. I am in the thick of it, right? I'm I'm a dual major. I'm doing accounting and business information systems. I had a minor of Africana Urban Studies. Like I'm doing all these things, right? But I'm also running this whole business, right? So my mom and sister, neither one of them, they're not doing behind the scenes. They're both in the field and they're just content with that. But I'm like, okay, listen, this isn't going to work. Like I literally, I came to them and I just, it was final exams, 2019 going into 2020. And I just had this nervous breakdown. Like, I'm crying. I'm like, look, I got all these exams. But we have client assessments. Someone has to go and do this interview tomorrow. And, yeah. and they're just looking at me. And I'm just like, no, like, this is crazy. And then, like, occasionally say someone calls off. We're, that was another thing that differentiated us from our competitors. Because it's likely that a client can just get left alone, right? But we said in our, you know, mission statement, there was a part of, you know, we were like, okay, if someone calls off, someone from our back office will be there and you'll never be left alone, right? And it bit us in the butt, right? Because it's like, okay, so who's going to raise tonight? You going to raise? No, I'm not. I got to go over here. Who are you going? <laughs> it's like, all right, so I'm going to go to raise and I guess I'll study at raise because I got an exam yeah. tomorrow. So I'm out, you know. Yeah. So it's like really, it's getting real hectic, but it's, it's successful. So I was like, all right. So I convinced I had to, like, after that breakdown, they're both looking at me like, all right, we didn't know it was. And I'm like, because you guys aren't in school. You're just in the field. There's so much yeah. going on to run this business. Yeah. So I finally, I convinced my mom to take the phone. I had to beg her. I'm like, you got to take the business phone. I can't keep walking out of class, but I'm going to walk out of class because that's money calling. That's a new client. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what am I going to do? Oh, um, not answer. Hey, I'm in class right now. Sorry, I'll get back to you. No, I go out there. Hi, thank you for calling Partners and Care Home. You know, like, I'm, I got to go there, put my voice on, and, you know, I have to answer this phone. Oh, yes, we'll send someone out for an assessment. When's the best time for you? Okay, we'll do a meet and greet for the best caregiver that we, and we do meet and greets because sometimes the clients and the caregivers don't get along, you know, but we have to do a meet and greet. So you're, you know, it, it, it cuts down on the the turnover for employees because sometimes these employees they don't want to deal with the client and sometimes the clients don't want to deal with the employees like hey actually she's a smoker and i i can't sit in there all day she's smoking mm. but hey that's our house she's allowed to smoke so we gotta go find a smoker to go be there with the smoker and you guys smoke mm. up the whole room you know mm. so so all right all this stuff's going on i finally convinced my mom to take the business phone i teach her how to answer it and i tell her like this little things but i'm learning in the business school like answer the phone with a smile someone can tell if you're smiling on the other side of the phone or not and she's like, it doesn't. I'm like, yes, it does. It really does. And that's how I answer this phone. So I need you to maintain this, right? 
answer the phone with a smile. You, I gave her a script. We practiced a couple times. I called. I'm like, hello. And she's like, hi, thank you for calling. Yeah, you know, thank them for calling. Tell them who they're calling. How may I help you? Get your pen and paper out. See how we can help them. See what they need. See if we can do that. And a lot of times we couldn't really do it, right? We don't have a person right now, but we're accepting it. We will find a person, whether it's one of us or we have to hire somebody in the next, you know, two to three days to get somebody in here, right? So... It was, it was my mom. She took the business phone. So she took over emails and things like that. So she started doing, I made her, or I, I kind I had to make her do, she had to do client assessments. I told her like, this is what you fill out and this is how you fill it out. So we know what they need. Like, does this person need to be washed? Does this person need to be fed? And then my sister, I had her take over payroll. And I'm like, listen, this is how you do it. You go inside the tracking system. You see how many hours you put it in here. This payroll system will calculate the taxes, right? It'll do this. Make sure that whenever they're getting onboarded, mom, make sure they complete this file, this paper right here. So we know their direct deposit information. Like I'm just, I'm kind of like throwing it at them, but it's like, I need help here, guys. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of college and like, you know how many friends I had that just dropped out, but I'm just like, okay, this, this is a great business. I love it. It's paying off our bills, but this is not my passion right this is my mom's passion and we're back in this corner so it's like what am I gonna do I'm the only one apparently capable so I'm gonna do it but now you guys need to step in you need to help me out because I'm not dropping out of college like I'm so close at this point I'm almost done and you guys you know you gotta you gotta help me out here so um that was 2019 things started getting hectic but it was in a good way so that's when they stepped in they start doing some of the things and then in 2020, the beginning of 2020, that's when just everything got crazy, right? So, um, all right. So 2020, right before my birthday, my birthday is February 10th. It is coming up. But right before my birthday on February 3rd of 2020, I got a call from my mom. You know, I'm on campus and she's like, hi. And I'm like, what's going on? And then she tells me that one of my twin nieces had passed away. And I'm like what? What do you mean? Like, are you sure? Are you gotten? So she had an pneumonia. So it was either this ammonia or COVID at this point. No one knows what's really going on. The world didn't shut down just yet. It's February, right? March is when it shut all the way down. So we're just all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, wait a minute. What's really going on right now? Right? Mm. So it, it, you know, it's up until this point, my faith is out of this world. No one can tell me anything about God because he has brought us this far and we are doing this. But I, I kind of went into a bit of a depression. Like that was probably the lowest my faith has ever been in my life. And I was just like, okay, so what, how do I rationalize this? Like what is really going on? And, and you know, a couple of days later is my birthday. Everyone's like, oh no, you got to go out, go have some fun. And I'm just like, how do you expect me to go out and be in, and just, and pretend like this is not my reality right now. Right. Yeah. And I was like, no, you should go out. You should go out. So I go out and I'm over here just looking like ER. I'm all sad, just walking around. And my sister's like, here, take a drink. And I'm like, I don't even drink. Like, I don't want it. Like, I don't even, you know, so that was probably one of the worst birthdays I've ever had, but mm. it, it just, all right. So life, cause all right, in the midst of this, we're still running this business. I'm still in college. There's still all this life going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, so a couple weeks passes and they're like, okay, this is my senior year. This is my last semester, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, it's my last semester. I'm going to knock it out, blah, blah, blah. And then everyone, they're like, okay, none of the students are coming back. And I'm like, what? what what's really going on? That's when I start getting scared for everyone. They're like, wait a minute, is this the end of the world? And I'm trying to rationalize, like, okay, <laughs> maybe God did this because, you know, it's the end of the world. And, you know, maybe she didn't have to be here for that. And, you know, like, I'm just trying to figure out what's really going on. So I, I'm from Pittsburgh, right? So I live 20 minutes from campus, if that, right? So I actually ended up staying on campus when everyone left, right? Because when everything went down with my niece, my brother and his girlfriend, they didn't want to stay in their house, right? But they there's this extra room at my mom's house, right? That's my room, but they're staying in my room for about like a month or two because they don't want to go home. Home reminds them of what just happened, right? Because this is something everyone's waking up out of their sleep and this is this is the reality, right? So I end up staying on campus. I tell Pitt what's going on. They're like, oh no, you know, we're definitely here to support you. We're, I, and I just, to this day, I love the University of Pittsburgh. I just recommend it to no end. But it's like... I ended up staying on campus and it was, it was, I drove home almost every day, but it was just good to have this place to go back to, to clear my mind, especially when it's like, 
all right, I just gave them some responsibilities, but that's not even a dent in what it takes to run this business. I still got classes, right? Even though they're online, we're like adjusting to this online thing, whatever that is. Like I'm used to going into class and being on campus. So everything gets shut down. The world's pretty much upside down. Everyone's thinking, all right, well, this is it. This is the end of the world. You know, like everyone wearing masks. Like, come on now. You guys didn't know. No one knew what was going on. So we're just like, okay. And I'm like, okay, this was supposed to be the year I graduated. I'm not really sure what's going on. Like, it's just, it, it was just, it was very crazy, right? So we stayed open through COVID, thankfully, because we were an essential business, right? Mm-hmm. So someone needed to go in and they needed to, they need to provide services for these, these, these clients, right? Because it's like, okay, this is a time where employee turnover was at its high, right? We had these clients, remember 2019, right before the year, we were booming. We had all these clients, but it was hard to keep an employee at this point. So it's like the three of us, we got a couple other family members, some cousins, some friends, some aunts, you know, everyone. And some people are just like, oh, I can make more on, um, what was it? The social security, they were giving people the... Uh, I forget the name of it. The check? The, the unemployment. Yeah, there was the unemployment. Yeah, they were giving them pretty much free money. So it's like, why would I go to work? Why would I go in there and sit with her? I can do this and I can do nothing and get paid more than that. Or I can... And it's just like, okay, all right. So so we're still open. We're like maintaining. It gets it gets crazy. I tell you, it gets crazy. And I'm like, I'm just trying Sounds to push like through. So- I'm just trying to push through, you know? So what happened is, so let's let's advance a little bit because you did graduate from yeah. the University of Pitt, and tell us a little bit about what you do now, if you can, and then I'm gonna, if you can, at the telling, when you were going through this through your college and you're 19, 18, and starting the business and maintaining the business, and as Andre asked, you were scaling the business. At any time, did you define yourself as an entrepreneur or you were just doing what it took to get it done? <laughs> so Good going question. back, I had graduated college. All right. I didn't walk across the stage. So it was kind of a weird feeling. I didn't really think I cared. I'm like, ah, as for my mom, I don't really care to walk across the stage. But when I wasn't able to do it, it was a different ball game. I'm like, okay, I feel like I really didn't do anything. Like apparently I did. Apparently I did this great thing. Not everyone's able to do this, but I just, I didn't really feel like I did anything. Right. So my academic advisor, which was a black man at the time, he was like, okay, we're going to get you in touch with this woman. And she is pretty much the liaison, right? She was this white woman, but she was the liaison for the Pitt Business School to ensure that all the black kids had secure, successful careers by the time they left Pitt, right? Mm. So I'm about to graduate. And this woman, she's like, oh, no, your grades are great. You know, like, this is, this is going to be good. I have a good place for you. So she hooks me up with three out of the big four in the accounting industry, right? So I'm what like, year was this? This is 2020, right? So she, I'm, I'm about to graduate. I don't have a job. Nobody mm. has a job. People are getting fired from jobs. Yeah. And technically, I do have a job, right? And going back to that, I never really defined myself as an entrepreneur because in my head, I'm like, this is my mom's business. But when I look back, I'm like, that was my business, mom. You know it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, I want a job in my field. I just did all this stuff. I want to be able to use it. Like, I'm kind of using it, but I can get paid, like, who knows how much more to start my own little thing and do my own stuff, right? I'm not really passionate about this, but it's paying the bills, so I got to do it, right? So he gets me in touch with her. She gets me in touch with three out of the big four, and then I got this really good internship, right? And the internship was that summer after graduation, and we were supposed to be in person, and it didn't end up being in person because the world shut down. So we were like the first set of virtual internships, right, at the company. Mm. And I didn't even get a chance to really talk too much to any of the other ones after doing this internship. internship they like, they offered everyone who was a part of the internship, they offered us jobs. And that in that moment was priceless because there were so many of my friends who had no job security, people that graduated computer science, like just graduated with great degrees, great grades. And they did all these great things and mm. majors that would usually right? These secure jobs, but nobody has a job secure in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody who thought they had a job secure just got fired, you know, like it's all this crazy stuff going on. So they gave us offers and I accepted their offer at the university or no, at their Pittsburgh office, right? So, you know, stop time still going on. There's 
all this craziness, lots of more people were dying, everyone's wearing masks, like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of apocalyptic, but I'm just like, hey, like, I mean, good things are kind of happening, like, what can I say? I'm right. definitely grateful, because I know uh, literally 100% of my friends, nobody else has a job, right? They don't have a job secure, they don't know they might go back for their master's now, or they might, you know, no one really knows what's going on. So you're, so feel, I, you're feeling pretty fortunate, it sounds like. Yes, in very, the, very. In the middle of very. COVID, when the vast majority of the world is not only shut down, but those who are in the middle of a transition, whether it's leaving college, right. I know people, they were in the middle of a career change that were unfortunately kind of caught in limbo, right? Yeah. And they just weren't able to get to kind of tr cross that threshold of moving on to the next phase of their lives. Something else that stands out, you touched on this a bit, Raja, is that um, the staffing, the yes. staffing, once these checks started coming in, yeah. Uh, people are like, why would I go work when I can make the right. same amount or more um, and not do anything with these checks coming in? So that, right. that kind of begs the question today. And I'm, I'm guessing you still have a hand in the business. Is that correct? You're yes, still I still do the books. Yeah. Yeah. So today, um, even though you're remote, talk to me about the staffing today. Because in any industry I can think of, um, you hear stories about how hard it is to find serving okay. staff find laborers, find people to work in corporate America in the corporate arena. Because, you know, a lot of people today, those checks aren't coming in any longer, but there's been this new shift towards entrepreneurship, kind mm -hmm. of where you were in 2019. A lot of people are moving towards that now. So talk to me about staffing, how challenging has it been and what you're doing today to help uh, overcome that. Okay, so we figured out that 2020, we had to pivot, right? So instead of just going for these employees or trying to find just kind of one-off employees, they don't have a client, but we're going to bring you in so you can, you know, work for our client. You know, like you said, no one's really wanting to work. They're like, why would I do that? I can sit up my couch and make the same amount of money, you know? But it's like, okay, so there's some of these people, right, these family members who are taking care of these clients and they don't really have a choice and they're trying to keep their, they don't really want random girls in there anymore. Cause it's like, I don't know where she's been all day. It's COVID. Mm. I don't know. So it was, we pivoted pretty much towards families. So we got a couple more of our family members on board like that. We have, um, I have a great aunt that we also onboarded the onboarding process of getting them, you know, you have to go through Maximus and get them registered Certified. with the state. Yeah, you have to do all this stuff. And it's about a two to three month process. But once you do it, they have amount of hours that they can now be billed for and their insurance pays for. It's mm. nothing out of pocket, right? Mm -hmm. So we got another one of our family members on board. We got some family friends. And then we only, like, not only, but 95% of our clients now and the employees, they're families. So it's like a mom with 24 hours, her and her husband, right, have 24 hours and they have a plethora of kids, nieces and nephews, you know, cousins, and they all work together to provide these services, right? Okay. So it's not necessarily just, oh, we're just scouting for just employees to cover these hours. We're looking mm -hmm. for families who are in need of more pay because that's what the dilemma was at this point it's like okay we have to pay them more so then the state start paying us more so we were allowed to pay these people more without even we could at least make the same amount we were making before if not a little bit more because it's like okay minimum wage no one wants to work for seven dollars so we we were at 10 11 at that time and then the state raised how much they were paying for you know each hour of service so uh -huh. we were able to raise how much we were paying for each hour of service. And a lot of these employees that were, say we're at a company and my mom and us, we've been here for three years. I've been taking care of my mom. They're only paying me 12. Mm -hmm. We don't know that they just got an increase from the state, right? Mm -hmm. But we come in and we're like, hey, we could pay you a dollar more. And they're like, a dollar more? And I'm like, yeah, show us your pay stubs. So now we're paying people 13 and $14 an hour, sometimes even 15, but we're still making profit. Because gotcha. otherwise, these are clients and hours that we would not have had. Right. So it was pretty much a pivot of instead of just having random clients with random employees and trying to do meet and greets and set them up. Hey, that's your daughter. She knows what to do best, if anybody. Like if anybody 
that's who the the caregiver would call if she had a question, right? Regime, but your daughter's yeah. actually in-house now, or her niece is in-house, or her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much paying families to spend more time together now. To, you yeah, know, essentially, you're paying them to do what, they, what they've already been doing. Yeah. You're just paying them to yeah. do it. So tell me this, because um, I've heard people talk about getting into um, home health care. Generally speaking, I'm not... I, don't have, I have no interest in putting your business out there. So we're talking general, general terms. What, how, how profitable can it be in terms of annual revenue? Um, just so, kind of a range. This is, this is a, the assumption that the business is doing well and, you know, you're at a place where, you know, have a good number of, of, of uh, patients, I guess you would call them. How profitable so, can it be? Say if that 2019, our full year, was of those five clients and all those hours that we were bringing in, because sometimes it's not really the amount of clients, it's the amount of hours that you can get mm-hmm. out of that client, mm-hmm. right? If we were like that all year and at our peak, well, that was our peak at the time, we probably were making about $300,000 gross profit. Gross, okay. Yeah, I mean, What would gross. that be net? If it, if, net? if it was 300 gross, what would that net? After net, uh, probably 80, yeah, something around there, something 80? around there, yeah, 80, at least 80, 80, 80 to 90. Yeah, but this is oh, also wow. you have to keep in mind client retention. These people have they could split second tomorrow, change who they want to be with, they can leave. Mm. Say one of your girls got smart on she was having a bad day, oh, she got smart, I'm leaving tomorrow. And it's not mm. really on you and your company, but they have the you, it's client retention. If you can retain these clients and keep them happy. Because this is a service business, you're not really selling a product. Mm. You're 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 catering to people's needs and wants. A lot of times, their wants like, okay, well, every Wednesday she wants to go to dinner. Someone needs to take her to Eden Park every Wednesday, even though you don't mm. want to go. She has to go because that's what she's been doing for the last thirty years. We have to keep her happy, you know. Like you're just pretty much you're people pleasing, and if you're not good at that, or you're not like. A lot of our company or or a lot of our clients, they're families at this point. And that's why, you know, everything has been pretty steady because it's like, okay, that's your mom. You know what she needs. You guys aren't going anywhere. We're paying you the most that you're going to get from any home care company. So you're going to stay with us. But if it's like, I I, I recommend the best way to get started is get your own family members on board who are in need of help. You know, helping starts at home. You know, you know, your, your grandma, she's getting old. Okay, your cousin needs a job. We can send your cousin in there and, you know, stuff like that. Or you can find these families who are already in this this field. Like they're kind of working in this field as a family unit and they're just jumping from provider to provider. You need to offer them something that they're not getting anywhere else, which nine times out of 10 is money. Or you can give them benefits and you have to retain them because that's the hardest part of this business is retaining these clients. Gotta be resourceful because it sounds like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know why the word finicky comes to mind, but it sounds like, yeah. you know, these clients could be happy one day and sad the next. I like, yeah. I like what you said about being creative in terms of, uh, you know, figuring out what they like and trying to get your team mm-hmm. to uh, kind of meet meet those needs. I know, Smiley. And, I think you had a comment or question too. Yeah, uh, one one question before we move into the final four. You said two things or several things that was most informative. I liked it when you said helping families stay at home or helping starts at home and paying families to spend more time with each other. That's this, mm-hmm. those are so clever. I've never thought about home health care in that sort of fashion. But right. uh, prior before we move into the final four. Raja, is there anything that we didn't ask you that we should have asked you or something you want to share? I know we talked about your your past with the home health care, and I know you're doing phenomenal things with this big accounting firm. Is there anything you want to share um, before we move into the final four? So just some, I guess, words of advice, maybe just follow your heart and do your part. Like if you do your part, I feel like God will do his. Because sometimes it looks very like, I don't know what's behind this door. But it's like, okay, if you want to leave this room, you got to go out that door, don't you? So you go out that door and God will be right there with another 
store or whatever it is, right? And I feel like just believing in yourself is priceless because I feel like if I wasn't like thrown into this situation unexpectedly, I literally would have no idea that I was capable of this. It's not like I woke up one day like, hey, I think I want to start a business and run it. Like that was not on my list at all. But like being thrown in this situation like this with my back against a wall, it's paying everybody's Mm. bills. Like I kind of have to take this this, I'm the younger sibling, but I have to take this initiative because I have this business background that I'm learning in school that no one else has you know, access to. Mm. And if you're that person in your family, sometimes you got to take that initiative and take that leap of faith and mm-hmm. it'll pay off more than you could even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, that quote sounds like a, like a T-shirt. I like it a lot. Follow <laughs> your heart and do your part. I wrote that down, Andre. That's a tagline. That might be your T-shirt, Roger. Well, like I said in the intro, you're fascinating and I'm just intrigued by every time you speak and and your journey, you you have, it seems like you have decades of life and (laughs) starting out and it's just, you've accomplished so much. But in the final four, think of it like this. If you had to have dinner with anyone alive or dead, it's a four tables, four chairs at the table, who would those other three representatives be at the table and why? Okay. So the first person would probably be my mom's husband Mm -hmm. because I know it sounds weird, but a white man taught me my worth. (laughs) And he was a white man. And... In that moment in time when I met him, I was about seven, eight. My father wasn't in my life because him and my mom got into it and she kind of just took us and left and didn't tell him where we were going, right? So he was this father figure in my life and he he always just instilled me with words of affirmation, like, you are very smart, you are intelligent, don't let anyone lowball you because he knows the state of the country at this point. And he's like, okay, you're young, you're black one, and you're a woman too, right? You know that those are stacked against you in this world, right? So do not take little or nothing. Don't let someone pay you the bare minimum, know your worth. And it kind of backfired once because when he finally, you know, we had this conversation once, I was about to wash the dishes and he comes in there, he's like, you know, know your worth. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. Then my mom comes, she's like, why don't you wash those dishes? I'm like, cause I know my worth. You're, I'm not even getting paid. I'm not washing those dishes for free. He was like, what are you going from? And I'm like, yeah, Rick, he told me that, you know, I got to know my worth and I'm not doing stuff for free. I'm worth what, 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 what are you saying? That only applies outside the house. That right, is not right, inside so the house. She went down store, you know, she chewed him up. She's like, why did he was like, I didn't know she was going to interpret it like that. But (laughs) some of these things that he said to me, they really, they still stick with me today. And him dying right before I went to college, you know, I'm first generation. I I literally had no idea what I was doing to the point where I filled out for one college. Right. And I didn't even get in. Right. So I'm like trying to double back and go like, okay, okay. um, Hey, remember you guys said you sent me papers in the mail. Can I still come there? And, you know, I go back to Pitt. And they're like, actually, our, our main campus isn't accepting applications anymore. We can take you out our off-branch campus, Pitt Greensburg. And I'm like, hey, it's better than nothing. It's the college, you know, right? So I didn't even start out at Pitt, Maine, but I ended up transferring. But mm. I just, I feel like him seeing, like, all this, this, I don't know, him seeing all these changes I went through. And I feel like he would just be very proud. So definitely him. And then my niece. It would be nice to talk to her a little bit as well because mm. there's actually a little face walking around with her face. Like it's 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 surreal, kinda. Because like everyone looks at her and sometimes people will just start crying. And she's like, "What?" And it's like you don't even know. You don't even know because this happened when she was about two and she's about five now. So mm. it would be nice to talk to her as well. Okay. So those right. are two. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So um, professionally or personally, what would you say to date has been your greatest success? So probably graduating college with honors. Oh, hello. Like yeah, it was, it was, it made it worth it, you know? Sure. So, so you graduated with honors while starting a business and managing a business, running the business. Yes. So it sounds like you didn't sleep through those four years. So yeah. Don't yeah. like you got a lot of free time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhat, somewhat. And I finally got to walk across that stage in 2022 in May. They finally had a commencement ceremony for us. And up until awesome. that point, like I knew I did something, but I just didn't feel it. 
But it was like that ceremony was kind of like a closing of a chapter for me. I kind of felt accomplished. Even though I had done it years ago, I felt finally like I did it. You know, yeah. walking across that stage, shaking that hand, taking those pictures with my mom and dad. Like, it just felt, it felt good. It felt really good. I didn't know what I was missing until I got to do it, you know. So the third final uh, four question is, what is your superpower? What is the thing that, that makes you uniquely special or your super talent? So I'll probably say my perseverance. It's like, mm. even when things get tough, I, you got to keep going. You got to put that next foot in front of the other and you got to keep going because life goes on. Like sure. it's going to keep going on whether you're going with it or not, whether you want to be in a deep, dark hole of depression or whether wherever you're at mentally, things are constantly going to be changing around you. So it's like, all right, you got to hop on the bandwagon. You got to change with it or get stuck right here while everything yeah. is continuously going. So probably perseverance. I feel like that is what it still keeps me going today. I really feel like that. <laughs> awesome. And then the last question here is uh, thinking about your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the amazing time you've had on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you say uh, the title of your biography, your autobiography, what would the title yeah. be? So probably thinking about my whole life. And my time on this podcast, <laughs> I would probably say the name of my book would be If There Is a Will, There Is a Way. I like it. I like it. Awesome. I feel like I've just been willing my way through life and it's got me. I'm in Florida now and I just feel like I'm on vacation every day. You yeah. said make a life that you don't need a vacation from. And coming from gloomy, cold Pittsburgh, Florida is just my utopia. Like, I love it here. I feel like every yeah. time I go outside... These palm trees, I'm not used to seeing palm trees. I hadn't seen a palm tree since or until I was about 12, 13. So seeing a palm tree equals vacation in my subconscious. So I just feel like I'm on vacation every day. And I feel like I will my way all the way here. And I'm just, I'm very content. I'm happy. Awesome. I'll tell you this. If you ever do decide to write a book, it will easily be a bestseller. (laughs) Let let me say this, Raja. Um, You've been amazing. I've enjoyed having you hearing your story on the podcast. Your journey is is remarkable in, in terms of what you've been able to overcome and all of the uh, perseverance that was displayed in overcoming it. Um, yeah, I just want to say, you know, before I pass it over to Smiley here, I just want to say I really appreciate having you on the, on the podcast. Sure. And you know what? We, we appreciate you and, and all these little taglines, follow your heart. If there's a will, I think you have a book inside of you. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, your story will resonate with millions around the globe and what you've done in in four years while achieving honors at a major university. Oh, that's just phenomenal. So thank you for sharing your, your I couldn't even call you ordinary. Thank you for sharing your extraordinary life <laughs> with our extraordinary listeners. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. It's kind of a venting session, I felt like. <laughs>